Well, we're going to read today from Daniel chapter 2. You do not have the whole text in your bulletin because this is a long chapter. You just have some of the verses in your bulletin. But I'm going to read the whole chapter. So if you've got a Bible, you can pull that out. If you've got a phone with a Bible app, you can pull that out and pull up Daniel chapter 2. Normally, right now, I would say stand for the reading of God's word. But this is like 50 verses and I don't want anybody to pass out. So you don't have to stand up. While you're flipping, hey, I want to introduce to you a little tradition that I've been wanting to do every Sunday for the last two years, and I keep mentioning it, or I keep forgetting to mention it. So here we go. A lot of churches, after the reading of the scripture, when when the person reading the scripture says, this is the word of God, some of y'all know the congregation then responds and says, thanks be to God. And it's a way of showing our gratitude. Isn't it good that we have the Bible? We have a God, not only who's good, but who chose to reveal himself to us. He chose to show us his heart. Not only that, but so many years we could tell story after story of people who literally gave their life to pass on the Bible and to translate it into our language. So it's a great gift to have the Bible in our language. So we're going to practice today. After I read this, I'm going to say thanks be to God. And then you, I'm sorry, I'm going to say this is the word of God. And then you say thanks be to God. It's hard. You've got to remember for 50 verses on the first day. So that's a challenge. Maybe we should practice it right now. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. This is the word of God. You nailed it. Now let's just do that every week forever from now on. Daniel chapter 2. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians... The enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, the word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, Tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand, for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this... The king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out and the wise men were about to be killed and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. 
Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might and now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore, Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste. And said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, no wise men, enchanters, magicians or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked, but... There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the vision of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chests and arms of silver its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron, partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory, and into whose hand he has given, wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens, making you, you rule over them all. You are the head of gold. Another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you. And yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. And as you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom. But some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage but they will not hold together just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut out from a mountain by no human hand, 
and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. And a great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is true. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly, your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request of the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. This is the word of God. Well, thank you, John Mark, for that reading. Good morning, family of God. I want to start this morning where Daniel and his friends started was asking for the mercy of God. We need his help this morning to hear his word and to believe his word. So why don't you take some time right now on your own where you are and just ask God to speak to you this morning. And I will lead us in a word of prayer in just a few moments. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you have given us your word to reveal who you are and to instruct us in how to walk in the ways you've called us. But I pray for myself now that you would give me grace to preach your word as it should be preached, to communicate exactly what you would like. And uh, I pray that you would strengthen this people to be glorified this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All of us like to live with some degree of mystery. Maybe I should say all of us live life with some degree of mystery. Some of us are more inclined to like mystery. We like the spontaneity that comes from flying by the seat of our pants. I heard an amen. We like life to come to us. Others of us would rather have a plan. We would rather know what's coming. We would rather be able to make a to-do list of what to do, when to do, how to do. So we're not taken by surprise. But the reality is that all of us live with some degree of mystery. This is why insurance can be an industry. We want to be able to prepare for what we can't prepare for. So we buy insurance. All of us live with some degree of mystery, and you can't take the mystery out of life. You can't take the mystery out of life. Now, that may terrify some of you, and it may excite others of you, but none of us know what's coming, not even in the next minute. You can assume, I'm going to keep talking, but that's not guaranteed. Because the future isn't guaranteed. Life is a mystery. Now, the point of this text, all that we just read, the point of this text is that God is the only one who can reveal mysteries. God is the revealer of mysteries. Here's how this relates to our theme over the course of Daniel, which is faithfulness and exile. The unifying characteristic of those who are living in exile, living faithfully in exile, 
is that they know the revealer of mysteries. The unifying characteristic of those who are faithfully living in exile is that they know the revealer of mysteries. And that changes everything about the way that they live. Now, I'm not going to attempt to try to unpack everything in this text. Because there's a, there's a bunch of mistakes. And I don't know all the mysteries. But I will share for you, one, the context of living in exile. And two, how, what characterizes those who are faithfully living in exile. And three, I'll, I'll say that, I'll leave that a mystery. First, we want to look at the situation that Daniel finds himself in. Last week, we learned that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. We learned that God gave Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, into his hand. We learned that Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, marched God's people 500 miles away from their homeland to the land of Shinar. We learn that Daniel and his three friends are in this group that's in exile. And there is nobody in the kingdom who's like them. They stand before the king. They have wisdom and understanding that is far beyond the rest of the king's advisors. That's where they are. Standing before the king, in the midst of royalty, filled with wisdom, filled with understanding, having the king's ear. Cool job, right? It's cake. Not so much. Because this king doesn't know God. And because the king doesn't know God, the environment is characterized by two things. One is insecurity. And two is hostility. Let's look at these one by one. Insecurity. Look with me in the first three verses that are printed in your bulletin. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. The king's having bad dreams. The king can't sleep. We don't know how long this went on. But dreams, plural, in verse 1, makes it sound like it happened at least more than once. And it was such a powerful dream that it says the king's spirit was troubled. It disturbed him. I want to take us to this place. You ever had that happen? You go to sleep one night, you have a dream. <clears throat> Wake up in the morning, it's nagging at you. Next night, wake up in the middle of the night, same dream, cold sweat. You decide... I'm just going to lay back down. Go back down. Dream pops back in your head. You get up. Go get a drink of water. It's lukewarm water. You don't wake up that much. Lukewarm water. Take a sip of lukewarm water. Use the bathroom. Go back to bed. Close your eye. Dream pops back in your head. Like crazy. Get out your headphones. Put on something smooth like some Grover Washington, some Helen Jane Long. Accidentally tap Thelonious Monk, something popping out at you. Dream comes back. Get up, turn on TV. You're like, I'm just going to just chill. Besides, it's 4.30 anyway. Might as well stay up. Stay up. You go all day long. Next night, you go to sleep. Same dream. Pops in your head. Can't sleep. This happens over and over again. At what point do you call all of your advisors and say, listen, y'all got to tell me what's up with this dream. For me, that's not going to come for probably two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. But this dude is legit angry. Terrified. 
And so he calls the wisest men in the entire kingdom to come to his court. And he says, y'all got to listen to this. Not we're going to go fight another battle. Not we just conquered this army. Not anything else except you got to tell me what was in that dream. This dream is haunting this man. You ever had that? Probably not quite like that. That's where Nebuchadnezzar finds himself, in a place of insecurity. Everyone say insecurity. Insecurity. You see, Proverbs 28 verse 1 says, The wicked flees when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Nebuchadnezzar is being chased by something, but he doesn't know what it is. All he knows is he is terrified. See, for those who live apart from God, the unknown can be a place of deep insecurity. It can be a place of deep fear. Why? Because in life, we can either trust in ourselves or we can trust in God. And deep down inside, all of us know that we are finite creatures. We don't have the power. We don't have the wisdom. We don't have the understanding. We don't have the knowledge. We don't have the resources to control our lives. Only God can do that. And over the last few months, many of us have memorized that verse on the back table, which is Isaiah 33, 5 and 6, which says, The Lord is exalted. He's exalted, for he dwells on high. And he will fill Zion, his place where his people dwell, with justice and righteousness. And he will be the what? Stability of our times. Which times? All of them. He'll be the stability of our times, abundance of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. It says the fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. We treasure it. This passage reminds us that when life is unstable, when the future looks bleak, when injustice fills the streets and our families, when chaos and mayhem show up unannounced, The only stability and the only ever stability is the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. He's it. He sits higher than our uncertainty. He is a God of abundance in the midst of our scarcity. He loves to save those who trust in him. And Psalm 112 assures us that those who fear the Lord don't have to fear any bad news. Not to fear anything else. Our hearts can be firm when we trust in the Lord. God is our stability. Nothing else is going to do. So for Nebuchadnezzar, he is filled with insecurity because he's trusting in himself and his power. He can't do it. But Nebuchadnezzar trusts in himself and it's not enough. And so the environment quickly turns hostile. Look at the hostility. Look at verse 17 of the text printed in your bulletin. Then Daniel went to his house. And made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Destroyed with the rest of the wise men in Babylon. You heard this a second ago when we read it. Daniel goes home and, and tells the matter to his companions. What's the matter? The king has threatened to destroy the wise men of Babylon if they can't do what is impossible. That is, they don't tell the king both the dream and the interpretation of that dream. Now, to tell the interpretation, I want you to understand at this time, would not have been impossible. They had books full of dreams. In fact, the Chaldeans that are printed in your, in your bulletin on verse 4, the Chaldeans were experts in dream telling. They had books full of dreams and their corresponding interpretation. Look, king, tell me the dream. I'll give you the interpretation. No big deal. But what the king says is impossible. He says, you tell me the dream, and then you tell me the interpretation. The king is so insecure that he's paranoid that his advisors are conspiring against him and feeding him lying and corrupt words. So it requires him to do both the impossible and the possible to show the dream and to interpret it. 
and the king will judge the validity of their interpretation on their accurate explanation of his dream. If they can't do it, he'll tear them limb from limb. And it says the accurate translation, literal translation of, of the rest is that he will make their homes dung heaps, trash heaps. Not very exciting. We have a king who is terrified and he's so afraid of what he doesn't know that he threatens to annihilate the very advisors who help him run the country, exterminate the threat. This is not unusual. People, white knuckle power when they are afraid of losing it. We saw it when we went through the book of Exodus. Pharaoh, white knuckles power. Starts killing all the baby boys, having thrown in the Nile River. Around Christmas time, we often hear about Harry doing the same thing. He hears there's a king born in Bethlehem, so I'm going to white knuckle power. I'm afraid of losing it. I'm going to kill all baby boys in, in the country. And throughout history, we see this testimony that when tyrants are threatened with loss of power, they retaliate with injustice and oppression, even of those closest to them. And that's where Daniel finds himself, close to the king, cake job, not so much. So now let's turn to Daniel, how he responds in the situation. Daniel knows the revealer of mysteries. Do you? I'm going to talk about that. Daniel knows the revealer of mysteries. Therefore, in the face of insecurity, he can rest assured in wisdom. In the face of hostility, he can respond with resilient courage and with hope. Now, in a situation in which a volatile, ruthless tyrant leverages his power to legislate injustice, against not only the marginalized, but also the privileged, we see Daniel, first of all, taking a stand against that through gracious care and concern for his own community. He cares graciously. Look in verse 17 again. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah, his companions. Isn't it good to walk with folks? Isn't it good to be in a community? To do life with people? You see, what, what sin wants us to do is to isolate ourselves, to hide ourselves, to get away from exposure. But what God calls us to, what Jesus calls us to at the cross, is to full exposure and vulnerability, to life in community to walking with folks. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. Two are better than one, for they have a good return for their labor. If they fall, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls and there's not a second to lift him up. He says, walk with folks. Do life with people. And so Daniel goes back to his companions. Notice who he doesn't go back to. He doesn't go to the magicians, the, the sorcerers, the enchanters. The Chaldeans, he goes to his homeboys. Why is that important? Because his homeboys are God's covenant people. His homeboys are God's covenant people. Look at what they're called. He didn't say he goes back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's a couple of chapters from now. But one thing you, we didn't talk about, I'm not going to talk about too much, I was mentioning this, is that in, in, in verse 4, when it says they responded in Aramaic, the, the, the rest of this chapter, all the way up to chapter 7, is written in Aramaic. The, the, the beginning chapter and the last five chapters are written in Hebrew, but this section is written in Aramaic, and yet in Aramaic, in the Babylonian language, yet these men are called by their Hebrew names. Hananiah. Mishael, Azariah, 
The names their mama gave them. The names they had back before exile. These are their covenant names. The names that remind them that God is gracious. There's nobody like him. He's holy. That he is our help. In their names, they're reminded that we serve a different master. This is the covenant community. So Daniel's concerned for his community, but not only for them. It's not printed in your bulletin. Verse 16 says, Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation of the king. He decides, I'm going in. We're going to talk about this more in a second about what courage means. We said, I'm going in. And when he goes in, he's not going in just for himself. He's not going in just for Hananiah, just for Mishael, Azariah. He's going in for all these wise guys. Even the wise guys who aren't trusting in his God. He shows radical love and concern for his community. Not only does he show radical concern for his community, but he and his boys demonstrate faithful waiting in the context of prayer. Faithful waiting in the context of prayer. Look in verse 17 again, in verse 18. Then he goes to his house, makes the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah's companions, and told them, what did he tell them? To seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. So that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. He doesn't say, go seek mercy from the dude who's trying to kill us. He doesn't say, go seek mercy from this violent, volatile king. He says, go seek mercy from the God of heaven. You see, what the faithful understand is that even when wickedness may attack, when mayhem may come, that our battle is not against flesh and blood. And in this case, Daniel's even saying, we might have found ourselves wrestling against God. Go beg mercy from God. As Kanye says, my wrestle even when you don't want to wrestle. And find themselves having to go beseech mercy from the God of heaven to seek him for mercy. You see, prayer is coming to the light in the midst of the darkness. Prayer is dependence when you are out of control. Prayer is trust in the midst of difficulties. Prayer is saying your kingdom come even when this kingdom and my kingdom may feel like it's on its knees. Prayer is calling out for assistance even when I'd rather just be strong. And what Daniel says is go seek mercy from the God of heaven. Beg mercy. Seek mercy. Maybe God will be merciful to us and to all these wise men. And you know what God does? He hears them. But that doesn't mean that Daniel stops praying. He doesn't stop praying when he gets an answer. Daniel goes to the king, to the, to the king of the universe for mercy, not to the king of the land. So when the king of the universe answers, he doesn't go straight to the king of the land. He goes back to the king of the universe. Look at verse 19. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in the vision of the night. Then Daniel does what? He blessed who? The God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. To whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He, he removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness. And the light dwells with him. 
To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. For you have given me wisdom and might. And have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. The king's matter. He doesn't say to the king, thank you. He says to the God of heaven, thank you. This should train us what we do when we get answered prayer. Who do we go to first? Who do we run to? Do we run to God? Do we run to our newsletter? Not a bad thing. I think we should run to God. I want to look deeper at this, this prayer, this psalm that David expresses as an answer to God's prayer. Because here are some things that we should hear to be faithful living in exile. First of all, I want you to notice how often God is referred to in the psalm. <clears throat> so often, I find myself praying, our Father in heaven, I, I. I, 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 I. And notice what Daniel says. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. He, 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 he. Who's this prayer about? God. It's not about us. Everybody say it's all about Jesus. It's all about him. God is about his own glory. So we should give him some. He says, he changes times and seasons. We know about that. Some of y'all walked in a little later this morning than usual. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. Look at verse 21, middle of verse 21. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who are understanding. He's saying that if you're wise, don't thank yourself. Don't thank your schooling. Don't thank university. If you're wise, who do you thank? God, because God made it that way. If you have knowledge, don't look to yourself. Don't feel so secure. Who gave you that knowledge? God. He's the author of it. He's the source of it. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what's in the darkness. <clears throat> the light dwells with him. Now, I want you to look at verse 23. This is really important. Daniel says this. He changes from he to you. It's personal. He can do a lot of things, but you, God, you, God of my fathers. Remember, I'm part of the covenant people. Exile is not my identity. God's promise is with me. I give thanks and praise. For not only do you give wisdom and might, but you've given me wisdom. You've strengthened me. You've empowered me. Made known what's, what we asked. And made known what only the king knew. And he didn't even know. The king is matter. Daniel blesses God. Our lives should be, yes, characterized by faithful supplication, continuing to call on God, the Lord, your kingdom come. We need to keep praying. Let's bless God for what he's already done. Let's keep blessing God. He has been faithful. He will be faithful. We can hope in him. Then Daniel is strengthened through prayer for courageous obedience. The way one theologian puts it is that occasional Acts of exceptional courage in the face of an unpredictable government are what Daniel shows here. Acts of exceptional courage in the face of an unpredictable government. What does it look like to live with faithfulness in exile today? Exceptional courage in the face of unpredictable government. Unbreakable everything. Look what Daniel does in verse 24. He goes into Arioch. Arioch, by the way, 
is the commander of the king's armies, and his name means lion. So before he faces the lion's den in a few chapters, he's got to first go to the lion, to Arioch. And look what he says to Arioch. This is, the, this is like the general. He goes to Arioch and he says, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Now, what did the king tell him to do? Destroy the wise men of Babylon. It's right there. When the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said, that's to, the, that's to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. What is Daniel doing? He is confronting the word of oppression, not with his own word, with the word of the Lord. How do you fight oppression? How do you fight injustice? How do you fight in exile? With the word of God. How do you get courage? How do you stand with conviction? By dwelling and saturating yourself in the word of God. So that when you speak, you're speaking truth. Not opinion. Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Now, notice that when Ariot goes in, he's quick to exalt himself. I've, I found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. And we know that's not quite the case, but it seems like Daniel lets it slide, so we will too. But the king declares to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, again, he's going to bring back his, his, his Babylon identity, but we know that Daniel is Daniel, as it's continued throughout the passage. And I want you to notice how Daniel responds versus how Arioch responds. Arioch responds with pride, arrogance. But Daniel responds with complete humility. The king says, are you able to make known the dream I've seen, this interpretation? Daniel answers the king. He could have said, sure do, king. Got it. Vision of the night, just like you. No, he doesn't say that. He says, no wise man, no enchanter, no sorcerer, no astrologer can show to the king the mystery. Nobody can do it. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. God is a mystery revealer. And throughout this passage, he's going to continue and say that, to say that. There's a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Verse 29, to you, O king, you, as you lay in bed, came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. Verse 30, but as for me, the mystery has been Revealed. I didn't reveal it. It's been revealed to me. Not because of any wisdom I have, but so that you may know what you're thinking. God is a mystery revealer. And Daniel comes in with bold, resilient courage because he knows the one who reveals mysteries. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on the mystery, but I do want to unpack it. Just a little bit. It's not printing your bulletins. You just got to listen. You already heard it read. Daniel goes in. Starts to interpret the dream. First he gives the dream. He says, hey, <clears throat> what you saw was a brilliant, bright, glorious, shining, exceeding bright image. Top of that image was a head of gold. The shoulders of that image... Or silver, precious gold, precious, precious stones. The torso was bronze. The legs were iron. But the feet were iron mixed with clay. And then a stone, not a precious stone. Just a stone cut out from the mountain without human hands. was thrown and it smashed in the feet of that statue. And that statue came crumbling to the ground. And it became like summer wheat. It's been harvested, like chaff from wheat. Blows away. But that stone, that supernatural, not so precious stone, became a mountain that filled the entire earth. 
what you saw. <laughs> What's the mystery? Your kingdom come. That's the mystery. Your kingdom come. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. It says, here's, here's what it means, King. You shine. You are. You're beautiful. You've got the whole world in your hands. Literally, you got the birds, you got the animals, you got the people, you got it all. Whole world's in your hands. <clears throat> but don't think too much of yourself. That's my. Daniel didn't say that, but I'm going to say. It says, after you, somebody else is going to come. going to have the whole world in their hands. After them, going to come. Somebody have the whole world in their hands. After them, somebody's going to come. Have the whole world in their hands. But it's not the end of the story. Because I want to point out, one, if you have your Bibles, I want to point out one verse to you. One verse. One verse. And it is this. Look at verse 44, if you have your Bibles with you. It says, and in the days of those kings, pause, in the days of those kings, not in the day of the last king, the iron king, not in the day of the bronze king, not in the day of the silver king, not in the day of the gold king, in the day of those kings, plural, in the day of those kings, The God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Which means while gold is on the throne, the kingdom's coming. In those days, days of those kings. While silver's on the throne, the kingdom's coming. While bronze is on the throne, the kingdom's coming. While iron's on the throne, even though it's mixed with some clay, the kingdom's coming. And then one day, a stone, not so precious, will become a mountain. Now, we read the New Testament. We have an idea about this mystery. Ephesians 1, verses 7 through 10. In him we have redemption. In who? In Jesus. We have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses. Why? Because all of us are soaked in mystery from the time of our birth. But there's only one who can reveal the mystery. Only one who can bring light to the darkness. The forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. What's the mystery? According to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things on earth and things in heaven. What's the mystery? Your kingdom come. Unite all things in heaven and on earth. In who? In Jesus, the incarnate Son of God. He's the mystery. He's the stone. It doesn't look so good. He's from Nazareth. He's not a precious stone. He didn't come from, from majesty, except he did. He did. And the stone that you reject is going to become the chief cornerstone. Why? Because the bloody Jew on the cross is really the incarnate Son of God who reigns on high above all of our uncertainty, who sees us when no one else does, who does not relegate us to exile, but who gives us the privilege of being testimonies, witnesses, in exile. That there is a kingdom that is coming. 
that may not look like it shines with the bling of precious stones, but which is going to fill the entire earth forever and ever. Revelation 21, verses 10 and 11. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. This is better than precious stones. Gold, you walk on it like dust. This is real glory, the glory of God. What does it mean to live with faithfulness and exile? It means, yeah, recognize the turbulence, the volatility, the insecurity, the hostility. But stay faithful to the community. Care for your community. Exhaust yourself in prayer, which includes blessing God for his many gifts. And live with courageous, resilient obedience in the face of oppression. With love, with joy, and with hope. Why can we do that? Because Jesus Christ, Son of God, was crucified. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, the mountain of God. His presence is with you. So walk in it with faithfulness and exile. Let's bow your heads and pray. Father, I'm so grateful for this picture of that your love and your kingdom endures forever. I thank you, God, that Jesus didn't look so precious even on that cross. So some of us who are not so significant can have hope that a God who sees the insignificant will reward those who trust in him. Lord, I'm grateful for this word. I'm grateful that you say in your word that we can be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Your kingdom will endure forever. Help us to trust in you, to be faithful to you, to hope in you. In Jesus' name, amen.